We've been working our way through Acts for quite a while now and in today's reading there's a distinct change in its flavour. We're still learning not only about the history of the early church but but more so about how God is at work through his disciples as they obediently follow him making that history. But the main character who we've been following for a while now is Paul and he has a big change from this point on in his purpose and his direction. Up until now, he's been primarily focused on mission, right? He's had all of these missionary trips into Turkey and Greece and Macedonia and Archai and and Cyprus, all over the place. And at this point of his ministry, um, he changes from missionary journeys, they're coming to an end, and his journey toward martyrdom begins. Now, for those who don't know, martyrdom, to be a martyr, is to be someone who suffers and dies for their faith. Right, so this is a pretty, you can see a bit of a sadness coming out there. This is the last time these guys are going to see him again. Right, so he knows he's never going to get back to this place again. They used to call it Asia. It's what we now call modern day Turkey. He's not getting there ever again. He's leaving them for good. And so you can imagine it's a pretty emotional time for them. But as Paul leaves, the final thing that he needs to do is not only say, cheerio, um, but, but to encourage them, to encourage them on in the faith that they were called to in the fullness of all of what that faith encompasses. I've, I've heard a lot of Christian testimonies over the years. I love hearing testimonies. Who here loves hearing testimonies? Yep, excellent. But with some of them, some of these testimonies, they, there's a common theme in some testimonies which leaves me feeling a bit sad. Um, and they're the ones that go a little bit like this. Somebody might say, I've been going to church for all my life and I only ever heard that I had to do better, try harder, be nicer, sin less and I always felt that I never measured up and I'd never be good enough to get to heaven. But then one day a visiting preacher told me about grace and he showed me in the Bible how Jesus died to save me by grace. And so I gave my heart to Jesus and for the first time I experienced the joy of salvation. And then they asked the question that makes me feel sad. Why have I never heard this before? How could I go to church for all those years and never get told about grace? Has anyone ever heard a a testimony along those lines? I've heard a few of them. Or maybe they might sound a little bit like this. I became a Christian when I was a teenager, but my life always seemed to be so powerless. My church was just dead and, and I didn't seem to be able to do anything for God. I knew that I was saved, but I didn't feel any great connection to God. But then one day a friend invited me along to his church and and there was something different there. The, the, the people were, well, they were alive. They, they were happy. They were filled with joy. That they, they prayed for the sick and some of them got better. And, and then one of the elders came to visit me the next day and, and we talked and he told me about the Holy Spirit. And he asked me if I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, how would I know? I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands on me and he prayed for me. There was no lightning flash or earthquake or anything, but for the first time, I I know the Holy Spirit is inside of me and he's strengthening me. 
I can, I, there's, there's a new power over sin and I've discovered about spiritual gifts and, and I'm serving God for the first time using these gifts that God's given me. And here comes the sad bit. Why have I never been told this before? How could I go to church for all those years and never get taught about the Holy Spirit? Have you picked up on what I'm talking about yet? I'm, t- I'm talking about when people only get half the gospel. I'm talking about when they, all they get is deficient instruction, watered down teaching, or when the Bible teacher reads his Bible with a pair of scissors in his hands and cuts out the bits that he doesn't like. And so even people in churches can go through life never hearing the full message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, testimonies like these can only happen if the preacher isn't doing his job. These testimonies can only happen if the preacher isn't preaching the whole word of God or if those who are listening aren't taking in the whole word of God. We can't put all of it on the preacher. There's either a problem with the transmission or a problem with the reception. When Paul taught the word of God, He didn't hold anything back. In in verse 20 he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was uh, profitable. In verse 27 he said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Your preacher is responsible for teaching not just whatever he feels like and not just one of his favourite hobby horses and not just whatever perfectly lines up with what he likes to think about God. Your preacher is responsible for teaching the whole counsel of God. That's the reason I preach my way through whole books of the Bible um, from different sections of the Bible. And so I teach a particular topic just as often as what, as what God likes to bring it up. Because I know that if I don't do that, I'll just end up preaching on the things that, that make me feel good, whereas you need to hear the whole word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, Equipped for every good work. And of course, when Paul wrote that to Timothy, he was talking about the Old Testament. Right? Because back then, there was no New Testament. They were still writing the New Testament. And the scriptures were the Old Testament. And yet some preachers today will never venture into the Old Testament. My job is to declare to you the whole counsel of God so that you can believe it And do it. Some preachers will only ever teach about the love of God and never touch on judgment. Some preachers will concentrate on the commandments and never offer grace. Some preachers will centre on grace and shy away from God's call to holiness. Some preachers, well their message is all about the cross and they neglect to teach about the narrow road of discipleship. Some preachers teach the physical and the social aspects of the gospel, but they're scared off from ever talking about the spiritual. Some preachers will stand for social justice almost every Sunday, but they'll never warn against immorality. Some preachers will will only ever teach from the gospels. 
They call themselves red-letter Christians. Have you ever heard somebody called that? They call themselves a red-letter Christian because some, some Bibles that we buy, the words of Jesus are in red and they're the only bits that they'll ever teach from. Whereas some will nearly always teach from, from Paul's letters. Some preachers will always be talking about the end times and some will never touch on them. If only we could get a good balanced diet. And of course we can by declaring the whole counsel of God. What we preach in our churches and what we study in our own personal Bible study is very important. Yeah, this is something that Paul admonished them about. Admonishment is something that we don't really take kindly to these days. I talked about admonishment a few months ago and I told you what it was. Does anyone remember what admonishment is? To be admonished? It's when you go, keep on going, keep doing it, keep doing it. Don't, don't hold back from this. You keep on taking in the full counsel of God. Don't, don't miss out on these other bits. You keep going. Is that what admonishment is? Do you remember me telling you about that now? Paul admonished them. No, you weren't here, Anna. So you, you don't have to remember. <laughs> and have a bit of a look at the language that Paul uses here. He says, firstly, he says, I did not shrink back from it. And he, he says this twice. Now, what this means is even when the pressure came on, he didn't back away from it. He didn't step away from it. He didn't ever retreat from declaring everything that God had to say. I don't know if you realise or not, but preachers are actually under a fair bit of pressure to do exactly that, to back away from telling everything that God has to say. There's a lot of pressure to retreat, to draw back from the offence of the gospel because the gospel is an offence. The way of discipleship is a narrow road, it's a difficult road and we're told only a few will find it. And there's a lot of pressure on preachers today to grow their churches and so they make the gospel sound that little bit easier. And, of course, to do that, they fail to declare the whole counsel of God. And all you've got to do to do that is just, just leave out a few little bits. And it makes it sound a whole lot more appealing, but it changes the whole character of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Yes, Jesus did offer light and love and comfort, but he also offered a yoke, persecutions, a cross of nails and a narrow road. I've got a little very short video clip here, a fellow by the name of Francis Chan. Uh, I heard him speak once at an Oxygen conference. He's a very animated sort of a fella. But, yeah, just, just a short little clip. Thanks, Robin. And the, the, the arguments I've had where, where uh, you, you know, people said, you know, uh, one guy, I've been in my church for like 15 years. Ever since it started, I thought I was one of the key guys. And, and he comes to me, you know, just, just not too long ago. And he goes, you, you know, Francis, here's the problem with you. He goes, you think everyone needs to be this radical. You, you think that Jesus calls us all to be radicals. He goes, he goes, you know, you think there's just these few radicals and, and, and he goes, you know, there's this, you got to understand, there's, a, there's this middle road where, where, you know, people, you know, they profess Christ and they do some good things. And it's like you're, 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 you're neglecting that whole middle road. Did you guys know that? 
there is a narrow road that leads to life. There's a wide road that leads to destruction. And now there's this new middle road. See, I didn't know that. Like a carpool lane. It's just this weird new road we created where you can just do some good things in the name of Jesus and still hold. It's, it's, you know, you know you're, just, you're serious right now. You're dead serious. You found a middle road. I, I, you guys, I, I, I'm not a real, you got to understand, those who know me know that I'm not a real complicated guy. I, I, I tend to think like a kid. I tend to just go, well, it seems like what it says. You know, I, I, I remember when, uh, when I was a kid, we used to play this game called Follow the Leader. Remember that? I mean, some of you guys don't because you just played video games. And you, 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 but we used to play this game called Follow the Leader, where the leader, you know, flaps his wings and you do the same thing. And it, it was easy. You, you just do what the leader did. And it's so weird how in the church we've twisted this. And Follow Jesus is a different game. You don't really have to flap your wings. You don't accent. You can just sit there and do it in your heart. Seriously. You know, when I read the scriptures, it says, man, whoever claims to, to, to know it must, must walk as Jesus walked. But we go, well, no, I'm doing that in my heart. You're like the kid sitting on the recliner and going, no, I'm flapping my wings in my heart. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's, 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 it, we, we distort things because of what we want. You know, remember, you remember Simon Says? That was easy, right? Simon Says, pat your head. But Jesus Says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you, you, you just have to memorize it. That's what we do in the church. If Jesus said, you just got to study it. You, you just got to, you, you just have to be able to quote it in the Greek. You, you just, it's, 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 it has nothing to do with, hey, Jesus says. You, look, look, when my daughter, you know, comes to me and I go, look, go clean your room. She knows better than to come back a few hours later and goes, dad. I memorized what you said. <clears throat> I can say it in Greek. In fact, some of my friends were going to they're going to come over and we're going to do a little study on what it would look like to clean my room. It just—it's not making sense to me. And and all I can say is that we're twisting things. We do. We do in the church, and we we create this little way where we don't actually have to do what Jesus called. So that's the first thing I, I, I want you to notice from the language that Paul uses. Like, we're in this spiritual battle, and it's a battle in which we have to stand firm in and never retreat from, proclaiming the whole of the gospel in all of its blessings, in all of its persecutions, in, in all of its costs. There is no middle road. You know, there's, there's a narrow road and there's a wide road, and it's only the narrow road that leads to life. The second thing I want you to notice from the language is is the cost of not receiving the whole counsel of God. Verse 26 says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now, that sort of language indicates that if we don't accept the whole counsel of God, Well, it's not going to go well for us. My job is to preach the whole counsel of God. 
If I don't, the Lord will hold me to account. But if I do declare to you the whole counsel of God, then I am innocent. If you, even if you reject that word, I'm innocent. And the blood is on your hands, not mine. So you won't be able to say, oh, nobody ever told me about this, because I have. And so Paul then gives a warning. He's about to leave the district. He's never coming back again. He's appointed elders to to look after the church in his absence. And he gives them this warning. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The responsibility of an elder is to be an overseer, to care for the flock, to watch over them. And in this context, it is to make sure that they also continue with the whole counsel of God. Now, there's a lesson here, especially for the elders, for the leaders of the church, but also for all of us. Pay careful attention to yourself. You make sure that you're getting fed the whole word of God. Don't just read the favourite parts of your Bible. Read the whole thing. And absorb it. Let the Lord speak to you through his word. And also, watch out for your brother and sister and keep urging them on to to stick to the whole counsel of God. Because if we don't do this, if we don't continue to receive and, and delight in the whole counsel of God, well, that means that our faith is incomplete. And it leaves room for Satan to come in and tear us away. From the gospel. He used the term there, fierce wolves, to, to describe the false teachers. And of course, because Paul had declared to them the whole counsel of God, there was nothing new in this. He certainly would have taught them about what Jesus had to say to his disciples about watching out for false teachers. Jesus had said that he described them as wolves in sheep's clothing. Right? So wolves disguised to look like a sheep. Now have a bit of a look at the picture up there. Which one is the wolf? Can you pick it? Have a good look. Which one's the wolf? You can't pick it. They all look exactly the same. (laughs) They all look exactly the same. And that's what makes a wolf in sheep's clothing so hard to spot and so dangerous. Uh, Paul has been like the shepherd of this church and, and he knows that when he's out of the picture, not only outsiders but even from among the elders themselves is going to come twisted teaching. Now what is this twisted teaching he's warning them of? 
Yeah, some of us are probably pretty confident that we'll never get misled by a false teacher, by a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're going to be, not, they're going to be obvious, aren't they? I mean, I mean, like, if at worship today I said, oh, we're going to do something a bit different today, shortly we're going to sacrifice a dog to the rainbow serpent, you'd probably get a pretty fair idea straight away that, oh, I think this guy's gone a bit, bit weird. <laughs> I think he might be a false teacher. You're going to pick up on that pretty quick, aren't you? Aren't you? I, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so we think that a wolf is going to be obvious, a false teacher is going to be obvious, but the thing is, they're not. We're told that even Satan appears to be an angel of light. And that's what deception is all about. In the church, wolves are not obvious. They can be the nicest people. They can, they can be the most upright citizens. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit, but the trouble is sometimes it takes a while for the fruit to grow and develop and, and we might actually not see the fruit for a while. But one of their fruit is that they will not be declaring the whole counsel of God. Very clearly, the wolves that Paul's warning us about here are the Bible teachers who are saying, oh, you don't need to worry about that stuff. You just focus on this bit. You just focus on the love of God. You just focus on loving others. You just focus on social justice. Just come back to the cross. That's all you need to know. You just do good things. You just come to church and worship. Or you just have to believe. Nothing else matters. Wolves are not obvious but they will surely divert you from the whole counsel of God. This is a bit that gets me. He said, from your own number, from amongst even the elders, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Wolves aren't just outsiders. They'll be someone you know. They'll be someone who you respect. A wolf is someone who looks like a sheep. A wolf, a false teacher, will usually be someone who holds a trusted position within the church. And the reason a wolf has such a good disguise, I believe in many cases, is because many wolves don't even know they're a wolf. They're very sincere. They feel they're doing God a service. They believe they're on the right track. But there's something missing in what they teach and it changes the whole character of the way of Jesus that we're called to follow. But what's their motivation? Sometimes pictures are worth a thousand words. What's their motivation? Their satisfaction is when people in the church look up to them and when people become their disciples and defer to them. It's a status thing. It's a bit of an ego trip. Now, I hope none of you ever start following me. Um, if anybody asks you what church you're going to, don't, tell, don't say, oh, I go to Michael Brumpton's church. You tell them you go to Bush Disciples and there you're being taught to be a disciple of Jesus. The whole of scripture is profitable. To leave bits out is to twist it. 
A gospel that is not the whole gospel is not the gospel at all. And it's just so important that we get the whole word of God. You know, sometimes, I know when I was preparing the message for today, I sort of thought, gee, it doesn't actually seem that long since I, I talked about false teachers. Um, and, and it just seems to keep coming up. But this is the thing. Obviously, this is a teaching that God wants us to have because we only bring these things up as we encounter them in God's word. And here we are again. We're being warned again and again and again. And if you're getting taught this truth about God is important, and that bit, well, that's, that's not really important, well, beware, because that sounds very much like the teaching of a wolf. Verse 31 says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now that's our task, to be alert and always follow the whole counsel of God. And it's God's word of grace. When we're getting his whole word, that keeps us strong. 